We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either your first or your last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17-14. Shar on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. Three seconds left. Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Far. Lays it up for Freeman and it's incomplete. And or did he cave in the catch at the 15? Yes. What are they gonna roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? Rogers in trouble. It's gonna get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone! It is caught for the win! Richard Rogers! With a walk-off touchdown. The final snap of Super Bowl 45. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talk of the Tundra, your Green Bay Packers podcast, a proud partner of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire family. As always, I am your host, Numak, and... A bi-week pod. Packers coming off of a loss we really don't want to talk about uh, anymore. But for all intents and purposes, it's bi-week. We get, what, 10, 13 days without the Packers. So I'm ready to talk a little bit of preview. of uh, preview, I guess a recap of this uh, Packers season so far with my lovely co-hosts and guests today, Jordan and Paul Bredo of Packers, Wires. Packers Wire. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing excellent. Happy to be here with you guys talking Packers, even if we are coming off a tough one. (laughs) (laughs) Happy to have Paul here. And yeah, I, it's a good kind of not reset, but it is after just that result. And I guess the way things have been trending, it's just a good step back. And plus two, I cannot remember the last time the Packers have had like a early buy. Mm -hmm. It's been quite a while. I feel like they never, ever get a middle buy. I think last year might have been like the first year in a while, but I remember throughout like the prime Rodgers years, we'd always get hurt early in the season and we like yeah. would need a buy to get healthy for the middle stretch. And it was always like, nah, you get week 13. 
I'm sh- I'm sure there's different perspectives on it, but coming off a loss like they had to the Raiders, would you rather have the bye week to be able to be like, all right, let's take a step back, let's reevaluate, or is that just one of those ones where you just want to burn the tape and like let's just get to the next week so we can, you know, bounce back? I feel like for me, it's been three ish weeks of the offense not really performing that well. So I think this comes at a good time to actually point. to really look at what went wrong in those three games and try and reset to figure out, okay, what do we need to do to get this this offense rolling like it did we won against the Bears, which it might have just been the Bears of it all. That's why they rolled. But <laughs> at least they can try and figure out maybe something besides plugging in Aaron Jones. <laughs> yeah, that's the big question. Yeah. Um, so Packers are two or three. Um. We said it after the Raiders spot. This this season could easily they could easily be four and one. They could easily be one and four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's so many like I guess just ways that you can interpret what we've seen so far this season. I guess what would be your biggest reasons why the Packers are two and threes? The I mean it's the the inconsistency overall, and I think. You know, coming into the season, we all expected that. I don't I don't know that I expected the highs to be as high as they've been or the lows to be as low as they've been. I figured there'd be the roller coaster, but the peaks and valleys, I mean, goodness, they've been pretty, pretty great. That that comeback performance against the Saints in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was a, 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 an electric performance from Jordan Love. Like, you know, numbers wise, from an efficiency standpoint, it's not like he lit it up, but in that game, he like willed them. Like in that fourth quarter when a play had to be made when a first down had to be picked up when they're on the goal line fourth and one, like whether it was with his legs, with his arm, like he found a way. Um, we've seen some really, really impressive throws here and there from him as well. But I mean, we all know the the lows of it as well. Just the overall inconsistency and the, I guess the concerning part right now, and, and we've alluded to it already is that they're going backwards. Like the offense is going backwards from what we've seen this season. And, you know, I do wonder what the fact that there's more tape on them now has to do with it. Um, you know, that was something I talked about over the summer for any young team. That's something that you're going to have to overcome. You know, they've put on tape now five games. Uh, teams are seeing what they like to do, trying to take it away. They're seeing where they struggle, what they don't like to do, and trying to put them in those situations. And we were talking to Jordan Love last Thursday, and he mentioned that in terms of like, you know, adjustments in game, those can be, you know, difficult to make on the fly, um, you know, like from play to play. And part of that difficulty is the inexperience that they have. Uh, you know, these, these are my words now, but you know, they've struggled the, the, the young receivers have specifically with the adjustments that the defense is throwing at them. Jordan Love said the unscouted looks that they see are giving them a challenge. And in part, like, you just got to experience it. You know what I mean? Like a defense is going to make adjustments in game. They're going to throw different looks at you that you haven't seen before. And if you haven't seen it, you, you just haven't seen it. So part of that's the learning curve um, that that they're obviously experiencing right now. And I think that that's a, a contributor all, to all this. Also, over the last two games, the the play of the offensive line has been from a pass protection standpoint. In the run game, they've been struggling all season, but pass protection – has really taken a step back, and I think we're seeing the effects of that on Jordan Love. Like, look at the first two games. He threw six touchdowns, no interceptions, and we saw this throughout the summer. One of the things from training camp 
that I was so impressed with him by was his ability to know when to fit the ball into the tight window, when to push it downfield, and when to continue through his progression and take what was available. You know, for a quarterback short on experience, I thought that that was a, a, an, it's a it's an important aspect. But I thought that it was one that would take some time to develop, especially developing that internal clock, knowing do I have the time to go to the next read or should I take what's available? And so I thought from a football perspective, that was a very mature thing that we were seeing. But a product of that is having offensive line. It's having the time to do that. And the Lions game, that just absolutely did not happen. <laughs> and Max Crosby, you know, heck of a football player you know he he was he's a one-man wrecking crew on that Raiders defensive front like that unit as a whole is not what the Lions have but he on his own you know one of the best edge rushers in football and we saw him get after Jordan Love and I thought that that Raiders defensive front you know they elevated their game against the Packers compared to what they had done previously you know those that that internal clock that Love you know did have established um, you know, it's changed now because he doesn't have as much time. Mm-hmm. And also with that additional time, the receivers who maybe have to adjust to the adjustments that the defense is making, the opponents have been playing more physical with the Packers mm-hmm. because they're challenging them at the line of scrimmage more. You know, that can be tough for young receivers to overcome, but that overall time that the offensive line could give love benefits the receiver. It's additional time for them to get open as well. So I think that that's a product of this as well. The the offensive line taking a step back these last two weeks because all eyes are on love all eyes are on the the receivers but that's where success starts in the nfl in the trenches right and like that's a that's a point that jordan and i had over this like the summer in the preseason as well is that throughout all the preseason games it what he wasn't pressured at all and mm-hmm. he he played well and I, that was one of the things that we had talked about before week one is that okay is he if if the pocket gets crowded, how does he going to play? And that really didn't happen against the Bears. It didn't really happen too much against the um, the Falcons. But come that that Saints game, he was starting to get uh, rushed a little more and having to scramble a little more. And I think we've seen the efficiency drop. And it's resulted in a few more interceptions and just, like you had said, the offense looking a little more like it's in some mud. Yeah, spot on. Um, I guess, I- go ahead, Jordan. No, I was just going to say, like, I think, too, it, <laughs> Paul just, like, outlined, like, a bunch of different things, but it is, like, there is, like, this avalanche effect that is happening with this team, and not to, like, we'll get, the undercurrent of, like, any question that we ask is just, like, this team, especially on offense, is so young, and you, we want to see, like, it work on all cylinders. We like even past pods. We've like talked about like, well, it looked like this in the preseason. Do you have to remind yourself? Well, they're playing second and third stringers. Like it, right. that's part of the game. But like they had the graphic during the game, and it's like, oh yeah, the offensive unit, like the collective age is like a little over like twenty five years old. <laughs> and you just look at that. I'm like, that's like not good <laughs> like it's good in some ways and like you just want to see that ascendancy but like it's also just like you know especially with the wide receiver core it's like that is just a young and green wide receiver core mm-hmm. and it's it's definitely coach speak when matt lafleur says you know all all 11 players got to be better we got to be on the same page i got to do a better job as a play caller like can't stand that's it. what coaches are gonna say can't but that's it. like a hundred percent the case too like right all 11 players across the board have to perform better. And I, 
the the challenging part of this is the run game's not efficient. And while they're willing to take the deep ball, they're not efficient on that either. The, the defense is DPI really is efficient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The defenses really have nothing to fear uh, against this Packers offense right now. And, you know, that just magnifies the problems. Like you said, Jordan, it's, it's, it's an avalanche effect right now in, in football. And I think in life in general, we all want to pick out like, all right, what's that one thing? What can we hone in on? What do we got to fix? Why was it good? Why was it bad? But that's not the case. There's a million little things that contribute to the issue. And by not being able to run the ball, by not having the deep ball, defenses are able to shrink the field. They're able to muddy up things over the middle. And, you know, the floor can definitely put them in better situations to take advantage of their current skill set. But when that middle of the field's crowded, because they're not scared of getting beat over the top, like there's only so much schematically you can do. There's only so much space that these receivers can operate within right now. And I think that that's just magnifying everything and making the, everything that the offense is dealing with right now more challenging. This resembles a little bit to me the 2022 last season. You know, before Christian Watson's breakout game in week 10, you know, he was dealing with injuries. Dobbs was dealing with injuries. The offensive line was basically playing musical chairs, you know, each week because they were dealing with injuries. Defenses did not respect the Packers' ability to hit the deep ball. Same thing we're kind of seeing now. They're shrinking the field, condensing the field, playing closer to the line of scrimmage. And this offense didn't start to, you know, take off, 2022 version of takeoff, um, until Watson emerged and showed that, you know, oh, we got to respect the the deep ball with this team now. Things start to spread out. There's more space to operate within. That obviously helps the run game. That uh, creates more opportunities from others within the offense. So, you know, in looking at trying to diagnose what's going wrong with this offense, there's a lot of a lot of things. But <laughs> rightfully so, we hone in on the run game, and that has to improve. Mm-hmm. But their their inefficiency on the deep ball, and they're very very willing to take it. Love, I think, is top five in pass attempts of twenty plus yards. But yeah, they they yeah. definitely take He's, the shots. They just they're just not not hitting. <laughs> no, he's got to be more accurate, and it's on the receivers too. Like, yeah, these these young players from a a detail point of view. Matt Lafleur talked about this on uh, Tuesday, I think it was. Now, um, from a precision, being where you need to be and being there in the right time, making contested catches. Like, it's not all on Love's shoulders. These these and the receivers have to do a better job as well. And yeah, Dobbs and Watson are in their second seasons, but between the injuries that they dealt with, like Romeo Dobbs from a snap count perspective, like maybe just be entering year two in that regard. You know yeah, what I mean? And that's a good point. I don't even know if Christian Watson's there. Christian Watson isn't there at that point. If we're just looking at pure snap counts. Right. Um, so still they're the veterans in the room, but these are very, very young guys. And even as year two guys, like they're young in that regard as well. Um, Talking about the, the, the deep ball of it all, I guess, what is your, like opinion on the types of deep balls they're running because they run a lot of go routes that are just straight line send Christian Watson as fast as he can go down the field but I feel like that's a harder pass to make as opposed to a deep like post across the middle where Jordan Love has an opportunity to lead the receiver a little further down the field rather than trying to make an over-the-shoulder throw um, to Christian Watson near the sideline I guess are you I don't want to say comfortable because you're not a coach, but you're just like us, you're just analyzing the game. How do you feel about the types of deep balls they're throwing? And do you think that might be contributing to why they're not having as big of a success rate on, on those deep passes? I mean, potentially, I think 
you know, I think the Raiders game in particular, their their usage of Christian Watson was a little bit head scratching because, like you said, it was basically just all right, head downfield and. You know, all offseason, Matt LaFleur has talked about how he's going to see an expanded role from a route running ability. Uh, Matt LaFleur has talked about how, you know, you can plug and play him at any of the three receiver positions, ask him to take on any of the roles. Like, they need to do more of that with him. Like, yeah, his speed's great. Yes, he's going to be used as a vertical presence in that capacity. But to really maximize his ability, to really maximize his, what he can offer this offense, they got to ask more of him mm-hmm. and put him in better situations in that regard to make plays in a variety of ways. Cause that's going to stress defenses as well. And we've seen Christian Watson's gravity. I mean, you can go back. There's a number of, you know, Romeo's Dobbs catches over the last, you know, you know, uh, 14 months, you know, going back to last season, um, Romeo Dobbs touchdowns where you can see the defenders lean towards what Watson's doing because of that speed. And so put him in those type of positions and, you know, I alluded to it earlier how things are a bit muddied up over the middle, but man, they got speed on this team. Watson, Musgrave, Reed, like explosive plays don't always have to come on 35 yard heaves downfield. Like if they can find a way to get them the ball over the middle in space, let their yak take over, like that that's a big way to help generate plays as well. And uh that was also one of the confusing parts. Like Luke Musgrave had seven targets against the Raiders, which is fantastic. We need more of that. But I think his average depth of target was like four or five yards. It was from horrible. The line of it was, it was, it was horrible. Pure check down like passes. And yeah. If you, I looked at Jordan Love's passing chart, and again, like uh, this might veer into just like Jordan Love, like where he is at. And granted, this is his fifth start of his first full year as a starter. But it's like you take away that middle of the field, and we saw like how it looked. The Packers put up thirteen points. There's no just and no and the the irony is those are the throws that he can make really mm-hmm. well. And when you take that away, it's like uh like and that's where the offense is at, like right now. It's so it's so weird. That was the that was the part of that game that really confused me the most. Cause like I said, Love came into that game ranked top five and passes of 20 plus yards in passes of 10 to 19 yards in terms of pass attempts. But it felt like the game plan was almost like handcuffing that a little bit. Yeah. It, you know, through it, most of the, definitely the first half and most of the first three quarters of the game. And then by the time it got to the fourth quarter, it, those heaves felt like, like heaves, like yeah. kind of quarterbacks impatient. We're behind things aren't going well. Let's try to get a spark and chuck it downfield. And again, is, is that a product of, all right, we're throwing it downfield a ton, we're not very efficient. Let's just emphasize, all right, let's get the seven, eight yards. Let's get the 10, 11 yards taken and just try to plot the ball down the field. Was it, you know, Aaron Jones not being in there? His, you know, uh, Matt LaFleur said it was Saturday where the hamstring kind of popped up a little bit again. And, you know, you can't scrap the game plan at that point. That's too close to game time. And it maybe it not, it might not have even been till Sunday or who knows Monday morning when they're like, all right, he can't go. Like, not expecting LaFleur to come up with a whole new game plan at that point. But, you know, was was that a reason why we saw more of those short passes? Like, I think that's why Patrick Taylor had more targets at halftime than Watson and Dobbs did. I right. think those were plays designed for Aaron Jones. And again, there's you got to make quicker adjustments, but also to like, like from a time frame standpoint, there's only so much you can do. So was that a reason why? Going back to the offensive line, they just can't, like we said, they got bullied by Detroit. You're going up against Max Crosby. Is it, hey, let's just emphasize the shorter passes, get the ball out of Love's hands? Like, 
it could be any of that. It could be a number of other factors, but that part of the game, just watching that offense from a passing game perspective, it was like, this is not what we've seen through the start of the season. Mm -hmm. And they looked uncomfortable. Like love looked Mm -hmm. uncomfortable back there. And those deep ball passes, like I said, they were just, they felt so forced for the most part. I feel like they need to, I I talked about this on the the post game pod, but they really should be treating some of these more recent starts against like the, the saints, the lions and the Raiders when he's struggling, they should really start using him like Jimmy G and getting him to throw on his uh, five-step drop back, back foot goes down, throw it. Like, just get the ball out quickly to get some momentum going on these throws and make these routes more simplistic for him to really utilize the rest of his game and the rest of the offense positively. Get the short throws over the middle, like you were saying. I've been hammering the point home all day all year and all last year just throw it over the middle like i know it's hard mm-hmm. when they don't have a deep ball threat but getting something over the middle is relatively a simple concept to, to implement right there's motion you can do to really sort of open that up a little bit but they i don't think they had a whole lot of targets over the middle on, on, from the raiders game on sunday like the passing chart was five yards mm-hmm. of line of scrimmage and then deep balls and mm-hmm. yeah go ahead I was just going to say, I think that that too would benefit everyone because right. there's definitely some plays where like they're not doing the little things right right now. Mm-hmm. So we can't be yeah. expecting to go deeper into the playbook, diving into you know deeper concepts within the offense if we can't do the little things right. Like that um, uh, running play for Christian Watson that he had, like we're struck, you know, they were running. And it kind of tells us the state of the run game. Like AJ Dillon averaged three point eight yards per rush, and we got through the game, and it's like, all right, they they, they were they were solid in that area. Like yeah. that kind of tells us the state <laughs> of the run game. But for the most of the season, like even those type of up the middle plays, you know, inside zone, outside zone plays, core fundamental aspects of the floor offense, like they've been struggling to execute that. So introducing a play where we now need six, seven blockers to execute it perfectly to get Watson to the line of scrimmage, like that's just asking too much for what this group can do right now. Or that one handoff to uh, Patrick Taylor. Like you're asking Tucker Craft after the snap to come across yeah. the formation to block Max Crosby. Like, just not a good idea. Th- that's <laughs> not going to work. Like there's zero chance of that right. working. So I think just simplifying everything. I think the, like we talked about the start, the timing of the bye week where that can be valuable is all right. In sports in general, you're off, you're struggling. Doesn't matter what the sport is. What do you do? fundamentals go back to the basics go back to the basics of the Matt LaFleur offense what are we trying to accomplish what are we trying to do let's make sure we're executing on those concepts properly paying attention to the details get those down and then from there we can build it out because you know one of the benefits of the Shanahan LaFleur system is you know it's like LaFleur's talked about the illusion of complexity you know it's simple concepts from the offense's perspective but they're um, confusing, keeps the defense off balance because you're throwing so much at them. It's play, you know, when he talks about the illusion of complexity, it's running a variety of plays from just a few personnel packages because you have versatile players who can do a number of roles. So defenses aren't able to substitute. You're able to create, create mismatches. It's also running plays that look similar, but actually end up completely different. Mm -hmm. And then you have motion in there as well. So the defense is making last second adjustments. So the defense is tipping its hand with those adjustments and what they might be doing, creating mismatches. Like 
that's that they're just all out of whack because if you know some of the things we talked about is what feel like could be solutions and obviously it goes you know much greater than what our discussion is but a lot of that's core Matt LaFleur offense mm-hmm. concepts and that's why I think this bye week give them the opportunity to kind of hit the reset button a little bit and go back to all right here's what we do well let's go out and do that we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. To that point, I think we, there's, football is just a very emotional sport, especially Mm -hmm. playing it. uh, Definitely be a fan. I, it's been interesting how I've, viewed reaction to the Fleur criticism or commentary and stuff like that. And we all know, again, again, this is a young Packers team. It's a really young Packers team that hangs over everything that we talk about the, this season, where they go forward, you know, forward from here, because it, it's year five for the Fleur, but it's essentially the, the slate was wiped clean. So I guess where I kind of fall on this right now until something drastically changes is that he is a very, very accomplished coach, very good. But I think when we talk – or the the idea of, like, we're going to see Matt LaFleur's system, which is kind of a lie. <laughs> we we have seen it for the last four years. The difference is is that there's new players playing that and having to operate within that system, and they're all young. They're rookies or a fourth-year quarterback who's starting for the first time as a full 
time starter. Like, I think long story or long question, try to make, make it shorter, <laughs> is does what or what Matt LaFleur wants to run, can that be run by a team as young as the Green Bay Packers? That's where I'm kind of like where I'm at through five weeks, and we won't know the answer to this question until they get better or worse or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for the the reasons that I mentioned that it absolutely can be. I think again that the execution has to be better. Um, you know, the the blocking, the ability to move the ball on the ground, the detail from the receivers, loves accuracy, all that stuff. Like Lafleur went into pretty good detail about all of that on Tuesday, and that it's the details. And again, he's he's always really really good about holding himself accountable and things that he has to do better, and he absolutely did that. But he's right as well. It's 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 the detail side of things, and you know, from the defensive perspective. Yeah, Joe Barry has to do a better job of putting them in better positions with play calls. But like that Lions game too, like guys weren't getting off blocks. There were running yeah. lanes that weren't being filled. There were missed tackles. Like again, it's not that's not to absolve Joe Barry or anything like that. But it's it's everyone again. It goes back to the thing of there's it's not one person. It's not you know one specific thing that if that one thing gets fixed. You know, obviously some things will have a greater impact if they get fixed over others, but it's it's really everything right now. And like I said, going back to the core of this Matt LaFleur offense, that illusion of complexity that he talks about, you know, again, that's meant for simplistic, you know, relatively speaking, of course, designs for the offense to be able to go out and execute, um, but can still be challenging for the defense to decipher what's taking place. Yeah, sometimes it just feels like the illusion of complexity gets too complex sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I just, sometimes I just want to see a crossing route over the middle and like mm-hmm. just dump it off the of Jaden Reed going over the middle and see if he can, like you said, make the yak work for him. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm obviously there needs to be motion ahead of the snap because that's just what his offense entails. But I, I, I think I just want to see more quick throws and that hopefully that helps more. But I guess on the flip side of the offensive side of the ball, the running game, AJ Dillon having to be sort of the bell call back for the majority of the season so far with Aaron Jones's injury. Like you said, kind of bounced back on on Monday against the Raiders with like 78 yards on 20 carries or something. Um, I guess for you, or guess what do you? What, how do you think the Packers' run game can improve if like Aaron Jones isn't getting healthy sometime soon? Like hamstrings mm-hmm. are notoriously finicky, and mm-hmm. if this latest aggravation of his injury keeps them out longer than the Broncos game now it's still going to be AJ Dillon and I guess now Emmanuel Wilson since they cut Patrick Taylor so like I was Emmanuel Wilson stan through the preseason he was my he was my darling this year and they haven't used him but then they sign Patrick Taylor because of Aaron Jones's injury Quay gets hurt so they bring back uh Justin Hollins and it, it's a lot of mix match, like mixing, mixing and matching of who's going to be on the roster. And I, I don't fully understand. This is getting into a different tangent of why they would have <laughs> kept Emmanuel Wilson over Patrick Taylor, if they're not going to use Emmanuel Wilson when Patrick Taylor wasn't active. That is all to say. How do you think the running game can improve with these players that aren't Aaron Jones right now? I guess it's a, is it more so a line issue where holes just aren't becoming open for AJ Dillon or is it 
really just the unfortunate reality of all that maybe AJ Dillon just isn't that guy to be the the number one back. I mean, sticking with the theme of our conversation so far, it's been both. So I yeah. think the fact that Elton Jenkins is back in this line is like this is their preferred five. Uh, I mentioned that on Twitter, like, oh, the offensive line's at full strength, and I got a bunch of replies that are like, no, it's not. And it's like, well, yeah, it is. This is their five. This is who they're working with right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is full strength. Might not like it, but that's full strength right now. Right. Um, but anyways, that's going to go a long way. And I think it's an overlooked aspect of offensive line play, but continuity is so important. Um, having the same guys next to each other week in and week out in practice each day is a really important aspect of it. And like I said, looking back at 2022, a lot of the issues early on in the season that this group faced was because of injuries to the offensive line. So I think just having Jenkins back, knowing that, all right, here's our five right now. Um, you know, Zach, Tom, you know, presumably he's played the last two weeks getting healthy or is healthy as well. Um, Rashid Walker is getting more experience. I mean, he was a, basically a red shirt last season as a rookie. So, I mean, that in itself is, is an important aspect of it. Um, AJ Dillon, you know, what I really liked about Monday's game was he was decisive and he was physical. Um, so we've had the opportunity to talk to running backs coach, Ben sermons, uh, twice this season so far, or once in season one, just before the season began. And, you know, there's there's a couple things with with Dylan that they've been emphasized. This whole off season for AJ Dylan was about emphasizing on running with a low pad level. And I asked AJ Dylan in the locker room, you know, you know, how do you go about emphasizing that? And you know, it's as it sounds, you want you know, low man in football wins, but for him, a lot of it was a mindset. You know, last season he said, you know, I was he was almost trying to be too perfect. With, you know, and do everything precisely and, you know, as accurately as he had to, rather than this season, he said his mindset is being physical and, you know, going into that playing with a low pad level. And I felt like that's what we saw in this last game. Um, he was decisive. There was that one run um, when they were close to the goal line on that touchdown drive where yep. he just boom, put his foot in the ground, planted, cut back. Yes. Like we hadn't seen that before. Like, the vision hasn't been there. The the burst hasn't been there. Like there's definitely been, it looks like overthinking. And again, in our most recent conversation with Ben Sermons, that's what he talked about. He says, AJ Dillon just needs to go out there and play free. If he goes out there and plays free, not overthinking, you know, his, his nat and it's not just Dylan, but every athlete, any sport, that's what you want to do. You just want to go out there, know that you've put in the practice time and just let your natural abilities take over. And I felt like that's what we really, that we really saw in that Raiders game. So for Dylan's side of things, that's the, the most encouraging part of it. And now it's just continuing to build upon that. So to answer the question, obviously offensive line being healthy, that continuity, Dylan running in that capacity, uh, because man, there's such a trickle down effect, like the inability to pick up first downs or excuse me, move the ball on first downs mm -hmm. just sets the entire offense back. Now you're in an obvious passing situation. The defense is able to defensive fronts, able to pin its ears back and just go boom, point A to point B and go get you. Cause they know you're passing on second and 10 Jordan loves completion percentage on second downs. Uh, this was before the Raiders game was 46% this season. In part, that's a product of overall he's struggling with accuracy. But when you're in obvious passing situations, that's incredibly disadvantageous for you. Yeah. Um, and again, before the Raiders game, on third and four or less, the Packers moved the chain 75% of the time. On third and five or more, they only moved it on 
So you can see just the massive trickle down effect that has when you're not able to find success on early downs. And oftentimes that includes the run game because that's mostly, you know, when you're running, unless you know, of course you're in like third and one, two, whatever it is, but that, that need to get it going is, is incredibly important. And I think part of the reason too, why we've seen them push the ball downfield is because that's what defenses want them to do. They faced a lot of loaded boxes, which is contributing, you know, to, just making running more difficult. So going back to what we talked about at the start, ability to over the top help space things out, you know, being able to hit on those passes is going to play a, a factor as well. And moving the ball, even if it's the passing game and being in like a second and five, like, cause now the defense, they can't just pin their ears back. They got to right. play both the run and the pass. So that can help the run game. So, and I mean, obviously having Harry, having Aaron Jones back as well, like, Look at that Bears game. Jones averaged 4.6 yards per rush. Like, it's yeah. not like running lanes were magically there for Jones and haven't been there for Dylan. Like, that's just his ability. I, he's so good at one, just seeing running lanes, but getting small and yep. just navigating through them as well, even when they're not there. So, I mean, goes without saying what just having him back in the mix will do for this team. But right. I think all of those are going to be important factors for them in terms of having success. And then if you can do that, you know, the passing game opens up, play action opens up. Like there's just so many other things that this, that this offense can do if they're able to, again, and it doesn't have to, Monday was a great example of this. Like these don't have to be seven, eight, 10 yard runs. Dylan was Mm -hmm. barely, didn't even average four yards per rush, but it kept them ahead of the sticks. It put them in advantageous passing situations. Like if you're getting four yards a rush, you can work with that as that, an offense. That's a first down every three that's times. First I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what, um, what it is. Uh, two things that you had touched on. Um, mentioning Ben Serwins was focusing on having AJ Dillon run with his with his shoulder pads low. I guess that makes sense as to my observation of it looks like he's falling down all the time. Like, not literally falling down like through the line of scrimmage. It looks like when he's running, he's about to fall over. But that makes sense mm-hmm. if he's trying to get his shoulders lower and just run with a little more force like that. So I guess, thank you for that that insight. But talking about... I think, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say that in the Falcons game, what was it, like that third and one, third and two, where mm, he yes. stumbled before even getting to the line of scrimmage? You know, he said afterwards, because he was running behind Royce Newman and Newman was beat, He's. I think Dylan said something to the effect of that, you know, he kind of saw what was unfolding on the offensive line and was basically getting ready to, all right, I'm going to have to fight through this and just got all out of balance, out of whack. and Pulling the chair in basketball kind of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but also talking about just having success on um, first down, running the ball. The Ar- Arjun Menon on Twitter, this was sent to our, our Discord channel today, um, of the percent series of downs that teams have gone run, run, drop, drop back in the offense. So run, play, run, play, and then just obvious pass play. And the Packers are at nearly 10% of all their series doing doing that, which is eyeballing about 10th in the league. I guess that's where I really want to see the mix-ups from LaFleur's offense come in. Like, if there's one thing that I don't like as a, as a fan and as a just football fan in general it's that if it's run run drop back that's it's it's predictable like it's predictable every single time i want to see a more a bigger mix up of what you're doing in your order of play calling in your cadence and like get some hurry up going too. like try and get some momentum and get these guys 
off balance. Right, get let's get some tempo, tempo going, momentum going for the offense, but get the defense off their, um, I guess, hat, the, not letting them catch their breath essentially, and get them More off seven. balance. Right, exactly, and just start running, like not literally running the ball, but just start moving the ball faster and faster, and that's when you get those mistakes. Like that was. Maybe I'm wrong, but part of the 2011 offense was just how fast they would go sometimes. Go, 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 and then you'd hard count it, get them to go offside, there's your play, <laughs> Rodgers down the field. And I feel mm-hmm. like now it's been the the latter Rodgers years, and now even now with Jordan, Jordan Love, is they're running the play clock down to zero. And I that's a analysis and a personal preference type of like what type of offense you should run. But yeah, I feel like you just need to save some time and not be running that clock down to zero and pick it up a little bit. Yeah. in the saints game and the lions game, like when they found the large chunk of their success on offense, it was in two minute mode. And right. we didn't see that against the Raiders. Like they didn't pull that out of their back pocket as like, all right, we got to try to get something going here. This is work for us. Let's see if we can lean on this a little bit. And Matt LeFleur said, I think it was after the lions game, something to the effect of that they don't, they want to have the hurry up the two minute offense as a tool in their tool belt. And that's, this is my wording, but it's not something that they want to be able to, that they feel like they have to lean on either mm-hmm. as gotcha, in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, over the course of an entire game, I, I just think from a sustainability standpoint and playing that quick and you right. want to have, you know, other, you know, concepts that you can lean on throughout the game. Um, so to speak, rather than, that two minute. So I do wonder if, you know, trying to establish in other factors, but yeah, I, cause that, like I said, the saints game, the lions game, when they were able to move the ball, that was, <laughs> that was the spark for them. Right. But we didn't see that against the Raiders. I don't even think it has to be like two minute short throws. Go, 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 go. Just mix in those type of plays mm-hmm. into the regular offense. I, you should be able to, and maybe I'm naive for thinking this, in a drive, you should be able to switch from a, a hurry-up type of offense and the play call you're going to then a more methodical, um, I guess, surgical breakdown of the defense. Just I, that That's where my brain goes. It's like, give them the, give them the switch-ups, give them the mix-ups to keep them on their toes when it comes to what they need to defend. Because at one point, if you're getting three, four plays in a row on a uh, set of downs that are quick and they're, they're moving, you can't get subs in. And then the second you get that first down, taking it more methodical, seven, and then take a shot downfield or one of your mm-hmm. bigger plays that you have. As long as it's not a freaking option pitch play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of seeing that. Or or a screen that they can't seem to oh, it's, get yeah. going either. Right. That's it's what, like all the it, tough. Yeah. Um defense. We gotta talk about defense. We gotta Even talk though about the defense. offense is the biggest the offense stuff, like just the overall progress of it, is really concerning at this point. It can change. Defense is always going to be. It's Joe Barry is just going to light up Twitter every time. And <laughs> I it's like he. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but going into this year and how we, I guess this is even last year, just because expectations are just so high for that unit. Now that we kind of like this the. The familiar beats echo, whether it's Joe Barry, Mike Patton, uh, Dom Capers, it goes on and on of you know for a long time. The Packers get, can get gassed in the run game by a very explosive running back unit. 
or they can have a game like against the Raiders where, as we talked about last pod, if you told me that they limited mm-hmm. limited them to 17 points, I'm like, that's a win. Like, there mm-hmm. is enough talent there, and uh, Rashawn Gary is only playing, like, maybe half the snaps, where this defense can keep them in games. And largely, they have, except if you want to throw out the Lions game. Um, I guess, from your perspective of it all, like, where... Where do you think this defense stands in terms of just like the positives or just the overall state of things, even with knowing that Joe Barry is always going to be target number one, whether Mm -hmm. we know what we're talking about or not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think one of the biggest positives from just the Raiders game we'll start with is just we did see changes. Like Matt LaFleur said after a Lions game, we got to have a philosophical change is his words. We can't be so rigid sitting in that shell coverage that Joe Barry loves to sit in. And we saw that there were more guys playing closer to line of scrimmage that helped against the run. Jimmy G loves over the middle. He loves underneath throws that helps muddy things up in that regard. Um, with Devonte Adams, they defended him pretty similarly to what they did. Jefferson, Justin Jefferson in week 17 last year, where it's not as if Jair was on Devonte for a ton of the snaps, but Whatever side of the field Devontae was on, a safety was basically right over the top of the cornerback, essentially with double coverage. And, man, you hold Devontae Adams to four receptions for 45 yards. Like, that's a win. Um, So from an adjustment standpoint, that was great to see because that's – they've you know, the defense has been slow to do that. Now the question is, and history says, probably don't get your hopes on this. You know, like, are they going to continue that? You know, are they going to – you know, continue to do that as the weeks go on because they always seem to kind of trend back towards, you know, what's what's comfortable, you know, for Joe Barry. And it's it's trying to take away those those big passing plays. But I saw I think it was a chart from PFF before the the Monday night game. And the Packers were like their defense was like top 10 and like explosive plays given up. So it's not even like they were, you know, doing well in that regard. Do they give up, you know, the 40, 50 yard play downfield? No, but they give up 10 yard runs, which is considered an explosive play. And because they play with so much cushion guys, get the ball and pick up 20 yards, you know, through the passing game. So it's not even necessarily a comp like you can, it just feels like it doesn't have to be one or the other. Like you can play cover two, but still, you know, play closer to the line of scrimmage, you know, cover two shell coverage, trying to take away the big passing play doesn't have to be safeties, you know, deep cornerback, seven, eight yards off the receiver. Like it can be this combination. I, I need you to tell that to Joe Barry that that has been <laughs> Jordan contest. This is my bugaboo. Every every time I feel like I look at a cornerback, whether it be Jair, Keyshawn or Razul, they're 10 yards off the receiver. And like it just drives it drives me absolutely insane that they give such talented wide receivers free breaks on their routes. Like I told Jordan, it doesn't even in the pre- it doesn't even have to be a talent. I mean, all NFL players are talented. Right. Let me just be clear. But like a Jacoby Myers who profited off of all the attention that Devonta Adams was given, like that could, that happens. And I think to your point, where it's like you see the adjustment being made. You see how it jump started the the late season rally last year, and then going back to what's comfortable. Right. I think that's where it's we could cross sports here too because 
it's how it was under Bud with the Bucks, and I love Mike Budenholzer and everything like that. But like, coaches stick with what's comfortable because you know it, it's a little different with Bud and the Bucks when they were like a number you know top tier defense. But like with Joe Barry, you just see the talent at their disposal, even with injuries this year um, and last year too. But you just see what is at his disposal, and you think that should be a better defense than be middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this because I, I started it earlier too. And again, not absolving Joe Barry, but the players have to be better too. Like over the summer, Jair Alexander s- said that new cornerbacks coach Greg Williams, they were working on his spacing at the line of scrimmage and how far off he's playing with receivers because Jair said he has a tendency to back too far off. So there is that balance of, and we don't, you know, we don't know the answers, you know, to mm-hmm. like, is Joe Barry, you know, I'm sure, definitely sure there's instances where Barry wants him in that position, but you know, are the cornerbacks doing a little ad libbing on their own as well? So, yeah, so I just, why wanted... do you, why do you think that is that like a player of Jair's like talent, like Jair's not slow. He, he might be a little small at five ten as opposed to like some of the bigger, uh, receivers in the league, but, you have to assume that Jair wants to be up in their face, breaking like uh, breaking them at the line of scrimmage and not allowing them to get clean breaks off. Like, is, am I wrong in thinking like that playing up close is better to do most of the time? Like, I understand that if you have Christian Watson on the out, like on the outside, you know you shouldn't be at the line of scrimmage with him because he can blow right past you. But not every player has four two speed, four three speed like Christian Watson does. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Uh, you know, if I had to guess, this is just my own guess. You know, maybe he wants the quarterback to throw the ball his way. You know what I mean? Maybe. Like, yeah, trying maybe to it's, go to maybe it's a, a bait, a, you know, bait the ball, bait him in a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. there's an open because he wants to make the play on the ball just like every cornerback does. Right. Um, so I don't know. That's just my random guess at what it could be, but yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not sure. But like I said, it's. I just wanted to provide that because there is that context to it where, you know, that's something that, you know, he's working on because he just says naturally kind of tends to fall back sometimes. Um, but to the point, you know, the the, the players got to be better as well. Like the pressure this season outside of Rashawn Gary, like has not been consistent. Even the Raiders game, yeah. like they came up with three big third down sacks, but PFF had Garoppolo pressured on just 25% of his dropbacks for some context. If that was like over the course of the season among all quarterbacks that ranks 33rd in football, like, and they were even sending some blitzes. I think Eric Wilson was on one. Um, I know Savage was on one, like they weren't getting home and the blitzes in general this season have been really hit and miss for this Packers team. But outside of Rashawn Gary, there hasn't been someone who's been able to provide uh, consistent pressure on the quarterback. So that's definitely, again, an area where they got to improve the run defense, as we all know. And I think that run defense is a does play a factor in the pass rush perspective of it. It's like we talked about. If the offense is ahead of the sticks and they're in second and three, like as an edge rush, you can't pin your ears back and just go get the quarterback because they might run the ball on you. So that takes away a little a bite of the pass rush. Um, they've also played quarterbacks who do a really good job of getting the ball out of their hands quickly. Um, so obviously tougher to get home when there's less time to get there. So I think all those are contributing factors as well to some of the lack of consistency from the pass rush. But I think, you know, the, like I said, the, the promising 
aspect of Monday's performance. And there are certainly areas that had to get better. Um, like I just mentioned the pressure perspective, there were still, you know, instances where from a, a personnel standpoint or what was dialed up, like, I think it was Jacoby Myers who caught the touchdown on the slant and like yep. Rudy Ford had his feet in yeah. the end zone. Oh boy. Like, that... Just a ton of space underneath. <laughs> yeah. oh, it drives me insane, Paul. It drives me insane. Um, <laughs> You know, the the slant that Devontae caught, I think, inside the five. I'm not, I can't remember if he got in the Keyshawn end zone Nixon. or not. It was but, Keyshawn Nixon, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, like, man, you saw Razul Douglas after that play. Like, they, he knew what was coming, and, you know, they just just wasn't in position for whatever right. reason to, to make a play on the ball. So uh, slants, screens, the Raiders found some success on in that game. So, of course, th- there's definitely areas that they have to improve upon. But at the end of the day, and – they aren't going up against lightning offenses by any means, but they're, you know, there's three games from the defensive perspective. Like the Packers should be three and two. The win the Bears game, um, won the Saints game, and from what the defense did, only allowing, you know, the defense actually only gave up 14 points. The offense spotted the Raiders yeah, three with true. that turnover. Like Matt Lafleur said after, you hold a team to 14 points defensively, like you got to win those games in yeah. the NFL. So, that too, far from perfect even but, the falcons game too like 25 isn't a isn't a like a huge score to put up and they just they fell apart and i think the defense is hurting as well from the the offensive struggles like the prime example of what complimentary football or a lack of complimentary football looks like is that fourth quarter of the falcons game yeah Packers had three possessions, ran 11 plays, totaled three minutes on the clock. That was it. Defense was out there for 12 minutes. Um, in the And the defense obviously didn't help itself either by letting the, the Falcons run all over them. But in that Falcons game and Lions game where the offense really struggled and the defense couldn't stop the run, the average time of possession difference in that game was the Packers trailed by 15 minutes in that category. Oh. The Lions and Falcons ran on average between the two of them, 25 more plays than what the Packers did. Like, you're not winning games doing that. <laughs> it's just, and if it's you a do, volume game. stole it. Yeah. Um, so, we're, <laughs> there's a lot of gripes. A lot of gripes, obviously, where we are. They, this team should be better. They have an even point differential. So it's just like using that as like a factor of just like where this team could be. I guess. If we want to take a more optimistic note of where this Packers team is through five games, what do you look at as areas of just being like, I think they could kind of steady the ship coming out of the bye based on this, this, or this? Mm -hmm. Um, I think reasons for optimism, uh, Rashawn Gary's play. I mean, he's his pressure rate. I, again, I didn't look at it specifically after the Raiders game, but 33% of the time he was creating pressure, one out of every three snaps. And coming off a, an ACL injury, like you don't, you know, you, you don't necessarily know. We can't make the assumption of what version of him we're going to see, but he came back like and immediately like was at least at the level of last year and it is, it has exceeded that. So that in itself is is a huge victory. Um, his snap count increase against the Raiders game. So that's exciting. Anders Carlson. I mean, who know what the who knew what the heck to expect? We got the better Carlson. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Wilson was yeah. my was my uh, darling. 
uh, Otto Carlson was Jordan's darling all through camp. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm sorry. I know you're mid answer, but I was just like, I, I, your work, everybody boots on the ground. We love it. But I was also just like, it is training camp. Just let's get this kid a break. <laughs> you, know, you, you like, obviously, too, it's different. I think every time I like look at like every practice day, I was like, oh, it's really windy. Oh, it's 90 degrees. And you're just like sweltering. And I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm going to have, it's a leap of faith. That's what I have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't missed this year. Field goals are extra points. And I, I had this thought during the, the preseason because for the, you know, the Bengals game, I think he missed a couple extra points, but yeah, was fairly steady in preseason games. And after the draft, Rich Bisaccio and talking about him, there's two things that stood out. Um, he talked about his big game experience from his time at Auburn and his mental makeup and the mental makeup aspect of it. We saw throughout training camp because it didn't matter if he went one for six, you know, he would bounce back with a six for six. And I think that to me, that's what that represents that bounce back ability to shake off when things aren't going well and just continue, you know, chopping wood, you know, one foot in front of the other and keep going. Um, But also those two qualities, what he's shown so far is he's a gamer. Like Mm -hmm. his worst performances that we've seen have been in practice when no one's around other than, you know, obviously the fans at training camp um, reporters on the sidelines, but that's where his worst performances have been. There is something to it. He's shown up to this point that, because I think if I'm remembering correctly, he had like a one for six performance in practice or two for six. And then the next practice was family night, you know, first time in Lambeau field sold out crowd. And we're like, what's going to happen here. And he was perfect. Um, So that was kind of my first inkling of, okay, there's the bounce back ability, but He's just got gamer in him. There's something about it where, and that's what you want in a kicker, right? Yeah. Um, the lights are on and he's, he's, he's stepped up up to this point. So uh, incredibly encouraging. Um, other reasons for optimism. I mean, the Packers schedule, it is, it's not that daunting, um, you know, looking ahead and it's the NFL. We can't assume anything in terms of wins, but it's again, it's not this, you know, super, at least, Based on what we've seen up to this point in the season, it's not like they have these super, you know, challenging opponents or a ton of them, I should say, coming in. Um, another reason I wrote down was they're getting healthy. Hopefully, you know, Christian Watson, <laughs> Christian Watson back in the mix. We just talked about the the offensive line. Um, you know, hopefully Aaron Jones is ready for the Denver game, and you know, anything can happen. Obviously, he was sounds like he was expected to play, and then Saturday happened, but. I have to think too that with their recent move with Patrick Taylor, you know, releasing him and well, not knowing if he's going to, they're going to sign him back to the practice squad. Cause my understanding from what I saw on Twitter is that even though he's released, his elevations don't reset. I was going to so, say that it doesn't reset. It's just, not like just gaming the system. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Cause it's like it, in baseball, like when your options run out, I think they are out. They're, right. They're done. Yeah. So they don't have that ability to, you know, oh, now we can elevate them three times again. Right. And in terms of roster space, like Eric Stokes is going to come off pup, you know, Hopefully it has to be in the next, has Ooh. to be in the next two weeks. Like that's the deadline. Yep. Um, yeah. Luke Tenuta's on IR, you know, if they want additional oh, offensive yeah. tackle depth without Bakhtiari, like 
he's going to have to be added back at some point. So again, tried to read the tea leaves. Anything can happen injury wise, as we all know, but like, hopefully that's a good sign that they're like, all right, with the bye week, we'll have Aaron Jones for the Denver game. So getting healthy because Jordan Love still has not had his full complement of skill position players plus the preferred five on the offensive line. And again, I emphasize the word preferred five because that's what we're working with right now without Bakhtiari. But he still has not had that because when Jones and Watson were playing against the Lions, they didn't have Elton Jenkins. This time they had their full five on the offensive line. They didn't have Aaron Jones. So still has not had that combination yet this season. And then just a, a few players. Razul Douglas has looked really, 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 good really see. good. Really, really, there's been some hiccups here and there, but man, he's playing at a really high level, and his his uh, his leadership, like his study habits, like you you see that, you feel that, like that. Uh, I think it was third, fourth, and goal that where the Falcon, where I think it was Ritter who ran it in, and because and in part because Rashawn Gary crashed in so hard, like Razul Douglas was all over him. The Keyshawn Nixon play we referenced earlier, like that's someone who is fully aware of not only, all right, here's what my job is, but here's what everyone's job is around me. Um, that double move that uh, Amon Ross St. Brown ran against him, again, the Lions game, that was that wide-open touchdown. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Razul said after the game that he spoke with Jared Goff, and they knew from watching film <laughs> – okay, let me try to word this the right way. They knew that Razul Douglas watches so much film that they that he knew they were going to run that route or you know the initial route before the double yeah. move and jump it because the lions put that route on tape so much and they know he watches tape so much that he was going to do that so that was their counter to it so to his you know that's a bit of a compliment you know what i mean if if how i explained that made sense oh yeah yeah it's um, like you, we burned you but we knew that we had to burn you based on you know yeah. your knowledge yeah. and intelligence. They, they, exactly they developed an entire play based on knowing what his tendencies were pre-game yep and his tendency was that because they knew he was going to be in the film and studying what they right. do um so long story short again just outside of the play itself but just the the work ethic the leadership that he brings excellent and then uh romeo dobbs um <clears throat> quiet game against the raiders but you know he's been he's been a reliable target for for jordan love this season uh for the most part so you know with so much uncertainty or ups and downs at the receiver position obviously incredibly valuable to have i think that the the work that jordan love and romeo dobbs did in the offseason is really showing itself now in the regular season because like i think the timing is a little off between love and christian watson and that's why he hasn't been mixed in so much i guess seemingly from a a fan perspective in the games where he's had any sort of impact it's just not a lot of targets and things like that but with romeo dobbs it seems like they have a lot of timing just down to basically being it like they're just talking to each other in their heads like they just everything's Mm -hmm. On, on time it's the passes are there on time and the only mistakes have come on seldom long throws where it was dropped or the short drop that Roman Dobbs had last week that on Monday or where he just yeah the, just, during the Lions game where I think even Dobbs was pretty kind of emotional after that yeah but like animated to your point you see like in the red zone that's where like stuff like that happens where mm-hmm. it just gets a re- simple release off the line and I say simple just because it looks simple but mm-hmm. it that chemistry between those two players, even with where they are in their careers, is just very palpable. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, back shoulder in the Saints game that gave the Packers the lead, like that was that's rapport. Like, yeah, that type of throw, like that's a. Uh, <laughs> We saw 12 and 17 connecting on those type of passes, you know, <laughs> quite often here in Green Bay. Right. But that, that's what makes me like, like what makes me excited about <clears throat> that pairing going forward is that that's only going to get better. My only hope is that it gets better with Christian Watson, too, because if you have that type of rapport with your both your one and your two, you're going to be sitting pretty. It's just again, like you'd mentioned way earlier they're not full seasons into their NFL career yet mm-hmm. based on snap count. Like they're, they're still growing and they're still learning. And I think that's something that we just have to have that perspective on as fans. Cause it's easy to be like, he's been around for a year and a quarter now. Like Christian mm-hmm. Watson should, should know what he's doing. He should be starting <laughs> to really produce as an NFL wide receiver. No, like that's what um, I forget. It might've been Matt or who wrote the, uh, Oh no, it was the Raiders. Uh, I think athletic writer that wrote the Devonte piece before Monday's game. Uh, I forget who wrote it. Anyways, they were talking about how Aaron Jones and Jair Alexander really told Devonte to work at his game, or I guess other around Devonte was coaching Aaron Jones. But the point being, Devonte didn't become Devonte year two. It was yeah. year three, year four, year five until he really started to become an All Pro wide receiver. I think we've had our expectations set a little too high as to receiver play around the Packers after coming away from nine, 10 years as Devontae Adams. I think that's fair for you, given the expectations of it all, because I've, I've tried to drill it into my brain and I'm struggling to do so that this year is gravy this year, next year, are gravy, anything that happens, it's, if, it, if we win a whole bunch, hip, hip, hooray. We love winning. If we're losing a bunch, it's supposed to happen. We're a young team. And it's just part of the transition from an Aaron Rodgers-led offense to now Jordan Love. How would you think the expectations, or I guess, what should the expectations be for fans for the rest of the year? Because we're sitting at two and three, like you said. The schedule isn't the hardest. That's where I drank the Kool-Aid preseason. I was like... A lot of these teams suck. We might go like twelve and twelve and five. There's a playoff team. Yeah, eleven and six. Like I was thinking, I could see us winning the division quite easily and handedly. No, it's there's a lot of nuance to these kids or these rookies and just the the young players on the team, not kids obviously. But um, I guess how do you think we sh- we as fans should be uh, setting our expectations for us this season? I know it's hard, but we got to throw wins and losses out the window. We got to see progress. Packers want to win games, of course. It's what they're trying to do every Sunday. Hopefully they win you know, many more this season. But the goal number one of this year is to figure out, is Jordan Love the guy? Right. Because the worst thing that can happen next offseason isn't having a top five pick and saying, all right, we need our quarterback. The worst thing that can happen is going, mm, maybe. Yeah. And then you live in this kind of in-between of, are, are like are we extending him? Is he going to play out on his last year? Do we give him another shot? Like we got the thirteenth pick. Are we, you know, are we are we taking someone? Like that's the worst case scenario. We cannot be stuck in you know no man's land and wondering. So you know, obviously it's still a long ways to go, and we've seen the the flashes of all right. This is someone who can be your guy. And when I say be your guy, I don't mean Hall of Fame quarterback, but like someone that you can build a team around and say, all right, if we get the right guys around him, we're going to go win some games. 
Um, you know, that's, we've seen those, like I said, there's, we saw it throughout training camp. Like there would be these passes where he's throwing guys open. He's putting the ball where it doesn't matter what the cornerback does, where the cornerback is like, that takes the offense to a new level when you have that type of player that at the quarterback position. Um, his, you know, Matt LaFleur has used the word poise a ton to to describe him. And, you know, that ability to lead the team back. Like I was so impressed with that Saints game. So impressed because nothing had gone right. You know what I mean? It wasn't, you know, this shootout where all oh, the offense is finding a lot of success. They're down eight in the fourth quarter, leads a game winning drive. You know what I mean? Like it was things were going so bad and just his ability to shake it off. And like I talked about earlier, just will that team, something had to be done in that fourth quarter. Jordan love found a way. So those aspects of it, you are like, all right, we can, we could build around that. And what they need to figure out is, you know, where's, where's the floor exactly with him? You know, what's the ceiling look like? Cause right now it's kind of this, it's an elevator. <laughs> we're, we're not sure where we're going right now. We've we're, seen we're glimpses. Having- We've You're seen glimpses of after the so far. <laughs> and then yeah. like now it's like on the ground floor. It's like that mm-hmm. is the perfect analogy of just like where we are with Jordan Love. And it doesn't speak necessarily to his ability or like I guess all aspects of his performance because of like the caveats are just so many because mm-hmm. of injuries and because of the state of the wide receiver core. But like, yeah, that you hit it on the head with that. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's to me, that's the biggest thing. That's what they got to find out. And you just want progress. Like the fact that he's throwing interceptions, obviously you don't want that, but like, it's going to happen too. like, we guys kind of got to accept that to a degree, but the mistakes we saw against the Raiders game, we can't see in week seven. We can't see in week 10, like once mistakes happen and there's going to be a lot of them, we've seen a lot of them, like those have to be fixed because on the other side of it, he's a first time starting quarterback. Yes. But it's year four in the system. Like the whole reason you, sit a quarterback, you know, for one or two years, let alone three, is that the learning curve is shorter. Doesn't mean it's not going to be this smooth ride or not going to be hiccups, but you're what you're hoping to accomplish with that is it's not this long arch. It's kind of, you know, it's it's quicker. Um and I think that standard has to be held in place as well because he's not a rookie. He's He's an inexperienced quarterback, but he's not a rookie. And to me, those are two different things mm-hmm. that we also have to balance as well in looking at his performance, his evaluation. So you give him the grace to make mistakes because it's going to happen. It's hard playing quarterback in the NFL, but they have to be fixed. You know, we can't, we just can't. Matt Fleur talks about it all the time, which are a lot of coaches do, can't make the same mistake twice. You know, learn from it, figure out what went wrong, and improve from there. So to me, you know, biggest thing is just progress from Jordan Love. That's that's what we're looking for. That's really what this season hinges on. And then secondary to that would be uh, who's the core moving forward? Like, which guys do we got in 2023 that we can, all right, we can, we can build around this group in 2024 and beyond? Yeah, I think seeing a bunch of plays replicated from the Raiders game would be obviously bad like like watching i think that's a great point that you made that an inexperienced quarterback isn't a rookie quarterback but in i think it was week one or possibly week three when uh bryce young was playing the falcons he made two of the exact same throws to jesse bates that were interceptions uh at terrible times it's like yeah that is a rookie mistake because 
it's the, it was the same exact throw the same, to the same, same exact route. person to the <laughs> same route. Like that's that, that just can't happen for someone like Jordan Love. And I think learning from the Sp- the first Spillane interception where he just clearly didn't see him. Like okay, I understand that I got to look for him now and not and like check that spot of the field before I, we make that throw. That is a big part of their offense. Or the second Spillane interception where he tried to force it into Christian Watson. I saw a tweet. It's like Jordan Love isn't a good enough quarterback to make that throw. And if he was, he wouldn't have made that throw because Christian Watson was just so covered by Marcus Peters. And so mm-hmm. I think that's a great point. Is this that I think it's it's encouraging to to think about that. I think of the interceptions that he's thrown, and they've either been tipped and picked off, which I rarely blame on the quarterback, or mm-hmm like single points of mistakes they ha- there hasn't been any replica interceptions like oh he threw that last week it's the same exact result that happened mm-hmm. yeah like we've again going back to like the arm talent the <clears throat> the fourth down play against atlanta the incomplete pass to samori toure like matt lafleur said there's five quarterbacks in the league who can make that throw and for the the coach to come out publicly and say that like yeah. to me that like that says a lot about that throw. You know yep. what I mean? Because I'm sure you'd heap that praise on him in the film room, but just to put that out there, especially in a game that they lost and you know the blew the lead in the fourth quarter, but like to kind of put that out there of like this is a top five throw, or there's not that it's a top five throw. There's only five guys in the NFL yeah. who can do what Jordan Love just did there. Like again, we've seen those glimpses. It's just about the consistency and you know raising the floor like again right. the raiders game cannot happen again this season right i'm ready to press uh the the, the 10th button in that elevator and start rising <laughs> <laughs> so uh all right paul that's really all we had for your question wise we really appreciate you coming on talking packers um with us this bye week and hopefully like you said it goes uh a little better the rest of the way where can uh where can people find you Hey, I just want to say I really appreciate you guys having me. I had a lot of fun here with you. Um, but follow me on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel. Uh, find all my work over at Packers Wire. You can find me on YouTube as well. Paul Brettel, hit subscribe. I appreciate it. Perfect. Yeah, go follow, go follow Paul. He's got writes a lot of good stuff, does a lot of good work. We and Jordan are, are great fans. So like I said, thanks appreciate for coming that. on. Thank so um, For all you GSPN listeners, GSPN.info for all your things. Eurostep Podcast Network, like we talked about. I guess we talked about pre-pod. Uh, Sunday is officially the beginning of Freaky Time for the Bucks, so go check out all the Bucks feed and uh, be sure to be on the lookout for Brewers content once they decide to <laughs> recover from their therapy of of that loss and everything else. So appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we'll be back for the preview of the Broncos game next week, so you'll hear from us soon enough. Thank you, Paul, and thank you, Jordan. Thank you. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.